Charlotte, Rock Hill, Gastonia, surrounding areas all around North Carolina. Welcome back to the latest installment of Under Construction. I'm your host, Jamal, the angry black fan, Darby. Kaiser's already shaking his head and we ain't even started. <laughs> <laughs> to my left, man, we got Rodney, Rob Pops Richardson. What's going on, sir? Bye, humbug. All righty, all righty, cool, cool. To the to the to my bottom, uh, we got Mr. Kaiser Sose, man. Hey, you, you, are, are you with us today, man? Uh, what, at, the bar, at the at the liquor cabinet, and be like, look, <laughs> what I'm gonna get right quick? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll be right back. I'll be right back. <laughs> While, while Rodney while Rodney takes a break, I'm going to take this opportunity to show you a, a birthday gift I received over the weekend. I don't know if you guys can see that. Wow! Happy birthday, too, man. Thank you, sir. Is this not right on time? I, yeah, I mean, yeah. this is like this is the perfect yeah. gift right now. Yeah. Uh, for those for those who are listening to the podcast and not watching at the moment, this is a Panthers bottle of red wine that I plan on making use of immediately following this podcast. Woo. And, and and Rodney with the crown vanilla. I can dig it, man. But, fellas, unfortunately, we cannot spend the whole show talking about alcohol. We are actually obligated to talk about this Panthers <laughs> game today. <laughs> and in case anyone was under a rock again, the Panthers have dropped one to the Tampa Bay Bucks, 46 to 23, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This was a game that was just marred by horrible secondary play. A uh, game that was marred by, in my personal opinion, uh, not very good coaching. Uh, the second half was a disaster, but we'll get to that later on. Fellas, I want to start with your thoughts. Rodney, you want to start us off today, man? Just some general thoughts about the game today, man. Uh, I'm going to read to you guys. Uh, does this number have significance to you? 322 to 35. Can you guess what that is? 322 to 35. That's the number of yards we were outgained in the second half of this game. Wow. Wow. That that's ah, no words. I don't even have words for that. Even if you take out that 98-yard touchdown run, it still like, dominates. Unacceptable, man. It's the offense didn't play good in the second half today. The defense didn't even bother to show up. That 98-yard touchdown run, Stephen Weatherly, well, not Weatherly, but uh our favorite person to hear Whitehead. And, and and Trey Boston, wrong angles, missing tackles. It's 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 just frustrating, man. At this point, um, I have a serious question. Would you be mad if we took all defense again in this draft? You, you, listen, I I, I I kid you not. I, I had a friend of mine who texted me ten minutes ago saying the Panthers should go all defense in the draft next year. I swear to God, I wish I could show you the text message, man. Man, I, I wouldn't even be opposed to it, man. I wouldn't be opposed. Kaiser, what you got for us today, man? Panthers are a bad team. They're a bad team. We keep – it's – I don't think the Panthers are as bad as we thought they would be. But they're bad. But they're, but they're bad. bad. But they're bad, yes. Um, and you know what? I'm going to put this on the coaching. I'm going to put this particular loss on the coaching. I felt like you could have mitigated the damn – they had a pretty good game plan going in, the same one they had with Kansas City. You keep Tampa Bay's high-power offense off the field. You run the ball. And you play Ben, don't break defense. And the problem is that it worked until halftime where Bruce Arians, who is a seasoned NFL coach, he's a great NFL coach, he said, oh, we're just going to make this adjustment. And that was it. 
and our coaching staff couldn't make that adjustment and the, not to mention a super blunder at the end of the first half that could have made the difference in momentum in the game with the time situation in and um you know a lot of people in the Panthers group wanted to blame Teddy for not running up and spiking the ball and my thing is the coaching staff has guys that look at every play and yep. determine ooh we might need to challenge that or ooh that might get overturned you got to be like hey coach tell them guys to get up there and snap the ball real quick or do something so that the play can't be reviewed and they are reviewed and it, it screwed us out of at least 3 points yeah. uh, also Phil Snow loves dropping eight dudes in coverage. We talk about every week. We talk about that every week, and it never changes. This Kyle's, is and, and, and about that, about us dropping eight in coverage. Um, tell me if this is a fair assessment or not. But I feel like you know, at, at the very least, Snow has tried some different things. Whether it's dropping eight in coverage, rushing for it, bought a couple of more blitzes today, and nothing worked. Um. So can we, at this point, can we just talk it up to just saying we simply don't have the horses to run? Whatever. Is that fair? That's fair to me. I think that's fair. But you can't let Tom Brady get comfortable. You know, Absolutely. I agree. You know, if you rush three guys at Tom Brady, you, you literally are just giving the other team free points at that point. You have to at least try to work to your – and it's not like the Panthers are devoid of talent. Or on you know we got guys like Jeremy Chan, Brian Burns still had a good game. You have what the good teams do is they play to those strengths and try and cover the weaknesses. I don't think Phil Snow does that. I think he says, okay, we can't run man to man, and we don't have the guys up front to rush, so we're just gonna drop everyone to coverage. You 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 mean kind of like going to a cover four on a third and nineteen and still giving up a first down? You you, you, you mean like that, right? Yeah, I. You, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, if there was one play that was just a microcosm for that whole defensive effort, and I use the term effort loosely, it was that play. Man, I, what's up with Dante Jackson? Is he I, too injured to be good? Um, let, let, I, I think this is a fair. I think this is a fair question, man. Should the Panthers think about shutting down Dante Jackson for the rest of the year? Man, look, if you don't want to cough that foot, sit his ass down. <laughs> Newton saga not teach the Panthers anything <laughs> about how to deal with a foot injury. Right. Exactly. Uh, I'm sure Dante Jackson wants to go out there and help his, his team out, but he's a detriment really. If that toe is a problem. And at, yeah. this, point, at this point, this is the point of the season where you reevaluate all your players, health and status. You, you shut CMC down for the rest of the season. You shut Dante down. You shut down any valuable player who's injured, and you just let the chips fall where they may. We back in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes now, although I think the Jets will win it. But at least, hey, we're in the conversation because Atlanta gets one more win, and we're in the cellar for the NFC South. Well, we're we're ready there. Yeah, I. I what do you do at, at this point? Right, Ronnie, you agree with all that? I agree with all that, man. And, and and one thing, man, the Buccaneers had 11 possessions this game. They scored on nine of the 11 possessions. No and, problem. And, 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 and one of them was the kneel down to end the game. 
So basically, they were nine for ten on, on drives. That that's that's freaking ridiculous, man. Yeah, speaking, um, you and Kaz are making some excellent points today, man. And just to kind of uh, bring out those points, time of possession battle today, Tampa Bay, thirty six minutes five seconds. The Carolina Panthers, twenty three minutes fifty five seconds. Third down, <laughs> we love these third down stats, don't we? Uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, let me see here. I just lost it, man. I'm embarrassed now. Oh, man, this is embarrassing. I lost the stat. Third down efficiency, Tampa Bay, 10 for 16. Carolina Panthers, 1 for 9. <laughs> I, it's, the it's, third down. Look, man, I, I, we have a pretty decent offense. But we, we, we're always going to run into this when we face higher caliber defenses. Right. Against Chicago, against Tampa Bay. We, we, we don't have the offensive line to, to, to actually compete with these guys. And so – once once they pick once they pick the airs back and, and come after Teddy, it's over. Yeah, much. I mean, their coaches adjust the second half, and that's pretty much the end of us. Yeah, I, I, you, you stole a lot of my thunder, man. Because the first half, we all you know, we all saw it was played pretty evenly, man. Like Kaiser suggested, man, uh, they make an adjustment to the second half, and they and they outscore us twenty nine to six the second half, man. Kaiser, what do you think some of those adjustments were in the second half that they made to kind of handle us so well? Uh, I think offensively, they just realized they could take more shots down the field. Um, Last week, the, the Bucks got a lot of guff from the media for just not running the ball, for abandoning the run and getting out of their rhythm. But I think – and I think this week they came in and said, okay, we want to run the ball more and establish that rhythm. But then in the second half, they realized, why? <laughs> the Panthers can't stop the pass. Why do we need to run the ball? This ain't, this ain't New Orleans. So then they said, okay, we're just going to throw to Rob Gronkowski. And Antonio Brown and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, we just, we have all these weapons. We're going to use them. That was really the only adjustment they made offensively. Yeah, Defensively, they really didn't have to make a big adjustment. They just got up so much. So like Rodney said, okay, now we can just pin our ears back and go after the QB because we know that, you know, what's Mike Davis going to do? Granted, Tampa Bay did give up a big run because of that strategy, but did it really matter? No, yeah. and, and look, I made mention of how scared I was of Chris Godwin last week. Not that it would have mattered for you if we would have played or not, but just worth mentioning, uh, he did lead the team with six uh, catches and 92 yards. But, again, I'm not trying to toot my own horn and say I was right because it barely would have mattered, but, you know, just wanted to throw it out there, man. Hey, guys, um, guys, I got a question. I got a question. It looks like this week we made more of an effort to get DJ involved. He had a pretty good game. Yeah. Do you think we suffered – doing that instead of kind of spreading the ball around more? Let me speak to a point that you made last week. Rodney, there's only one ball, and somebody is going to be left out when, when, when you make an effort to spread the ball around. Um, it's funny you mention that because the next thing I was going to mention was Mike Davis only having seven carries. Uh, now, granted, you know, he was out for a little while with an injury, but at the same time, we, hard, we, you know, we were playing from behind in the second half, obviously, so not a lot of time to run the ball, but – to Kaz's point, man, I thought the game plan, we could have just basically copied it from last week and, you know, kind of brought it to this week. And we didn't do it. We just kind of abandoned it, man. And I, I'm not sure why we tried to kind of get in the shootout with these guys. Uh, this guy, the, These guys are the third-ranked offense in the league. So, to Kaz's point, you know, we should have tried to slow the game and win the time position uh, battle a little bit more. But I just – yeah. Matt Rule said something last week that the media keeps parroting, and I wish they would quit it. 
He has said, hey, we have an explosive offense too. No, we don't. Stop saying that. <laughs> we don't have an explosive offense. We have a solid core of players, but the idea – Coach speak. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the idea that we can get in a shootout with Tampa Bay or Kansas City is, is just not going it, to – it's, it's just not going to happen. We have to be able to make the adjustment to the adjustment. And Tampa Bay's adjustment was, we're just going to use all of our weapons and overwhelm the Panthers. We didn't have – we have no way to adjust to that. We, th there's literally nothing the Panthers – I don't think there's an adjustment the Panthers could have made in the second half to necessarily win this game except, you know, and you got to execute better, and we don't really have the personnel for that either, so – yeah, I, I know. I don't know if anybody else noticed this or not, man. But when Dante Jackson went out the game and Troy Pride was on Antonio Brown, Woo! man, oh man, Tom Brady's eyes lit up. I, I I swear, Tom Brady has a history of picking on fresh guys off the bench or picking on the rookies, whatever. If he sees a bad matchup, he is going to exploit it ten times out of ten, and he did that today. Um, that's what veteran QBs do. That's why he's one of the goats. Um, like I said, I'm not sure what the Panthers could have done. That's why I'm thinking during the game, like, okay, what what could have changed this? Yeah. Thing? Now, not, on either side of the ball, I'm not sure there's anything they could have done. Now, I am most certainly not saying one play necessarily made a difference in this game. I want to be clear about that. But I do want to talk about this 98-yard run by Ronald Jones. And I want to talk I want to specifically talk about what happened on that play. For some inexplicable reason, I wish we had intel why. <laughs> number one, Derek Brown was not in the game during that time. That's number one. That's the first thing. Number two, our favorite guy, number 52, takes oh, a completely wrong angle on the play. I, not, I'm sorry, not a wrong angle. He just the, – the wrong gap. He looks at the wrong gap. <laughs> Ronald Jones takes the other one. 98-yard play. Well, guys, just share your thoughts on that play, man. Am I tripping? Well, I was like, ain't his ass injured? <laughs> he got injured the first, <laughs> yeah. first drive, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Should have left him on the bench. As far as Derek Brown not being in the game, I don't know what – I mean, that's the situation where you want Derek Brown in the game. Uh, hello? Hello? I, I got to think, think maybe, maybe he was tired. I, I don't know. Um I thought it was a wasn't a good play call. Essentially, it looked like you know cover one single high safety, and you know ideally the, the idea with that play is that you you've stacked eight in the box. So yeah. and let me let me cut you off. So once you get past that first level, there there's only one left. But but the idea is that. You can't get past the first level because you've stacked. Essentially, you've um, you've almost stacked nine in the box. Yeah, and, but when but when you're when your middle linebacker, the most important key to that cover one misses the wrong gap. Yeah, and 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 your best interior lineman is sitting on the bench. I, I, I first when I saw that, I said that's coaching. Yeah, that's coaching. Um, that's a bad play call. I mean, and generally you would think, well, that's a pretty solid play call against an obvious run. Um, you stack up the box and then, you know, you hope that your safety can, can cover, but you're going to call that play call. And you know, that Whitehead hadn't been playing well and Derek Brown is on the bench. I, I just don't yeah, understand. Intel was disappointing to me at this point that the main ones making the mistakes on defense are the veterans. Yeah. I hundred percent agree. 
and and it's just like. Although I felt like Shaq Thompson didn't play he, a bad he, game. He, he, he played a good game. I'm talking about like – I'm talking like uh, Trey Boston, um, number 52. I, those guys need to set the tone. Like, it, 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 like, like at the beginning of the game, it was kind of telling to me when uh, when Chin was was, 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 was was leading the breakdown of the group. And it's just like – this man already asserted himself to lead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. He yeah. In the captainship. Well, I mean, and, who, who holds guys accountable? When- and, 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 and real quick, guys, I'm gonna let you go real quick. But I, I, I was, I, I'm, I'm not sure if y'all caught the shot of Brian Burns being very passionate on the sideline uh, toward the defense that. as well. This is like, come on, man. These are young guys. But guys, what were you saying? No, it, but it, that's exactly the point. Who's holding the dudes accountable? When 59 was on the field. Yeah, everyone talked about how nice the guy Luke was, but we see him get at dudes for not doing what they're supposed to do. Absolutely. No one's doing that. Who's getting at Tamir Whitehead be like, hey, man, that was your gap. That was your assignment. I don't see the coaches doing it. Now, it it could could be possible that it's happening. We just don't see it on the cameras. But I got to think that if someone was trying to hold these guys accountable, we would see some change in their play from week to week. And we're not seeing that with certain players on the defense, like Rodney said, particularly the veterans. Um, and those are the guys you would think would be holding these young guys accountable. But the young guys are making mistakes, honestly. Burns, Chin, Brown, they're not the guys out there blowing it every play. That's an odd dynamic in the NFL. That is a really, really odd dynamic in um, – yeah, I, I, honestly, honestly, man, that's to me that that's that's part of the front office's fault too. You should have kind of at the beginning of the year, you know, we didn't have a traditional off season. You know that you have this young core guys. You should have put forth an effort to put at least one or two more veterans on this team that 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 that, that, that can fill that starter role. I mean. It, you, 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 you're not going to be successful just rolling out all all all, all kids like this, obviously. <laughs> but it's just like, what are you doing, uh, Marty? One of our our viewers <laughs> made a good point. <laughs> Said, "Rip that C off fifty two and put it on twenty one. He's a captain. How are you a captain in a team? Hey, hey, look, hey, Swagner, boy, it's Rules boy. Swagner, soon come, brother. Soon enough, man. Soon enough, man." Um, there was an interesting statement that one of the announcers made in, I believe, the first quarter. Teddy Bridgewater at that point was nine for nine. And, <laughs> and one of the announcers said, Teddy Bridgewater is nine for nine, but he's also off. And he said, that may not even make any sense. Guys, we have kind of been saying the same thing, kind of, sort of, this whole season. In a snapshot, does that kind of describe Teddy Bridgewater? Because I want to read another stat before anyone answers that. 18 for 24. Oh, God. I'm missing it again. Well, 18 for- let me say this. Only passing 24 times was somewhat concerning because typically the Panthers – the Panthers are actually a very pass-heavy team, Yeah, unlike in the past where we've been run-heavy. So we only passed it 24 times. But I tell people uh, with Bridgewater, the truth is somewhere in the middle. Because I mentioned to someone that, that we all know personally, I said that Bridgewater puts up Sam Bradford stats. And they were like, you got to be kidding me. You're going to compare him to Sam Bradford? 
Yeah, that's that's actually the perfect comparison. Yeah. Look what happened when Teddy got injured in Minnesota and Sam Bradford came and took over and actually put up better stats, um, but those same kind of stats, leading the league in completion percentage, uh, near the bottom in the league in the actual amount of, you know, yards that that you throw the ball. You know, so you, those stats look good on paper. You're like, man, wow, Teddy's having a great season. 70, like 73% completion percentage, uh, a 2.4 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio. You know, he doesn't turn the ball over. But the problem is that that's really actually not what the Panthers need. If Matt Rule really thinks that we have an explosive offense, then you need an explosive key. Explosive quarter, right. Teddy Bridgewater can't be that guy, but for some reason he's not that guy. We'll see Teddy make a great explosive play, and then he'll do something like uh, like third nine, and then like a two yard dump off for a loss. And it's like what? Yeah, like that that interception was probably the worst one he's thrown all season. Uh, I understand he's trying to he was trying to make a play, but you got yeah. better than that. Real quick before you go, Rodney. Real, real quick, Rodney. Hold on, hold on, Rodney. Real quick, man. Uh, 18 for 24, 136, two touchdowns, one interception. Now, the one play I want to highlight is he threw a 38-yard pass to um, to DJ Moore, and the announcer says, man, if he would have led him a little more, that's seven. Is that Teddy Bridgewater in the, in, the, in, the, in the nutshell? Rodney, what were you going to say, sir? <laughs> Pretty much, man, but how you let a man with seven fingers pick you off? <laughs> Dude, like, bro, like, you threw it that soft. He had to, like, yeah, I, I thought when 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 it left, the field, uh, if somebody don't intercept that damn ball, I could have hopped in my car, drove down to, to Bank of America Stadium, ran past security, ran out on the field, and intercepted that ball before it hit the turf. That's how soft he threw that. And, 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 and also, also, man, that touchdown to the. Uh, to the to the tight end for the first oh, time, oh, man. Oh. That man, that look, he had that look. It was no zip on that ball at all. I'm like, whatsoever. You got lucky, dog. <laughs> that was knocked down. Yeah, it, it, it was. It was a lot of floaters this game. Is <laughs> is the coaching staff has to recognize that's the kind of player Teddy is and build around his. He does have some strengths. He can yeah. extend. He can extend plays with his legs. He is a fairly accurate thrower of the football and I feel like the coaching staff still hasn't figured out where to play. They've, they've placed a lot of their faith on in him and um, he, and I think when you leave him to his own devices, he's not able to get it done. Um, so, but having said that, I, I can't even put this loss on Teddy in the offense. On both sides of the ball, they were, the Panthers were terrible in the second half and like so therefore I got to put it on the coaches. Um, yeah. And not fake, fake punt. And, and listen, listen, this, this this statement also may not make a bunch of sense as well. But you look at the score and it's 46 to 23, which is bad enough. That's bad enough. Right. But I think the the, the yardage really tells more of the story here. Man. Total yards, the Bucks 544, the Panthers 187. I think that shows the dominance of this game, especially in the second half, man. And. Yeah, it was obvious at some point. Tampa Bay was like, "All right, let's just let's just get let's just run the shit up." It was like mad now. Baby. 
<laughs> you know how when the Panthers lose, so you play man and you beat the shit out of the, whatever team you playing because you that. That's how Tampa Bay was. Man, look, look, I, I, look, honestly, I was thinking, man, I'm like, why are they even going for field goals at this point? I'm like, they, you know they're going to convert. <laughs> right, right. Um, I, I asked a question on, on Twitter, man. I just want to uh, kind of hear you guys' thoughts on this. Matt Rule's willingness to go for it on fourth down so much. What what do, what does that speak to? Does that speak to a distrust in our special teams, meaning the punter and the kicker, or does that mean, or that's, or is it more of a distrust for the defense, or does he feel like we just have to outscore the opponents we're playing? What do you think about that? You got to we got to outscore the opponents. It's, we we already know defense is not going to show up, man. I mean, think about this, man. In the past, like three or four games. How many punts have we seen? Three or four? Two or three? Yeah, two or three. Seriously. And 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 it's just like at this point, we know we have to outscore the other team at this point. And you gotta have more shots at the apple. <laughs> like, I mean, you, you yeah. gotta, gotta keep going for it. I mean actually, he's uh, trying to win games. Yeah, I'm a fan of that. That's actually an analytics thing. Analytically, as far as scoring, you should you should actually go for it on fourth. Every t- almost every time, as long as it's not a fourth and long. Um, it doesn't necessarily lead to more wins, but it leads to more scores. And I think that's what Matt Rule is doing. That's him kind of putting his stamp on the NFL. Um, that's why we've seen so many fake punts and fake field goals, which to his credit have worked actually pretty great. Um, so far. Yeah, for the most part of the season, I'm not mad at, at, at him going for on fourth. At all, however, they went for it on fourth early in the game, and they ended up scoring a touchdown on it. So, I thought that was great. But in that particular situation, that's one where they probably could have kicked it. They had just gotten the turnover, so essentially, it's a free ball that you got. And if you if you go for it on fourth and you don't get it, you've wasted a turnover. Whereas, yeah, typically after a turnover, you you got to score it, whether it's three or seven. But it worked out for them, and um. And I, I actually hope that that's one thing that Matt Rule continues to do is roll the dice and, and gamble, especially – I mean, what do you got to lose against Tampa Bay? Well, not, not only that, but what do you have to lose this season? I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm of the mindset where the expectations are low. You know, we, we, we have a team that's in that's current in, in current retool mode, so why not? I, you know, with the, out, with the outlook of the season, that even makes it – you know, even that—that that gives them even more of a chance to take risk, man. Um, quick question for you guys, man: What do you think about Joe Brady's play calling today? I—I I noticed the lack of Curtis Samuel out the backfield. What—what what was up with that? What are your thoughts on that, guys? I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I, don't know man. I think not having Christian McCaffrey is so huge. It changes your game plan so much. Um. Mike Davis can only do so much, and then we, you know, we saw that he he wasn't a hundred percent healthy. Yeah, he broke his thumb. That's yeah. what like. So and, and came back in the game. Cool yeah. shout out to him, man. So so you got no, you have no running game. Um, there's really whole not a whole lot you could do. And if me, if I'm Joe Brady, I'm like, okay, we're just gonna we're just gonna air it out the rest of the game. But they didn't even do that. They could they couldn't even do that. They only passed the ball. Um, you know, 28 times, and Teddy Bridgewater, you know, sustained a slight mid-game injury. So, like like we said earlier in the show, I don't think there's a whole lot the Panthers could have done as far as an adjustment. I call Brady's 
uh, Joe Brady's play calling fairly average considering what he had to work with. He had available, yeah. Offensive play calling was better than Phil Snow's defensive play calling. Uh, I agree with that. All right, guys. We're um, I, <laughs> this is probably so, guys. I got a question for you. So, if if this Teddy injury is serious, who do you want to see start a quarterback next week? Colin Kaepernick. Colin <laughs> <laughs> Kaepernick. Call Eric Lee while you're at it. Get get the crew back together. What do you got to lose at this point? Um, I look, man. Other than Colin Kaepernick, I I, I say PJ Walker, man. I think PJ Walker gives you the best chance to win, yeah, look, man. Look, look, man, look. And, and that's pretty, and that's pretty sad that I'm saying that. But yeah, yeah look, I, I look. I'm going to say Will Greer because we need to know who we got to cut this guy, cut this guy loose, and keep him on the roster. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so you're looking at like an evaluation. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, I mean, look, 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 three and seven. Every game from here on out is an evaluation of, of, of what you're going to do next year. Who, who who's who's basically roster filler and who's out of here? I mean, it's, it's yeah, yeah, right. Right. yeah, we're 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 past the halfway point in the season. Um, the Panthers will not make the playoffs. <laughs> so, at this, yeah, at this point, yeah, right. everything is an evaluation. I think it's really, you know, that Monday morning meeting with David Tepper is going to be very tough. And if I'm Matt Rule. And if I'm Matt Rule and his staff, then then I will point off, bro. <laughs> shut up, man. Then I say, hey, let's you know, let's shut down these guys, give these guys some playing time, and see where we're at. All right, guys. So offensive and defensive MVPs for the game. Um, before we before we answer that, uh, Swagner has a really good question. I, I want to tackle first. His question is: Will Herney finally be fired this season? Before y'all answer that. I just want to shout out Carolina Blitz, who just bought an article out, and she just and she and the and the headline was "Is Marty Herney on the hot seat?" I personally found that kind of surprising, but I also want to get you guys' thoughts on that. What do you guys think on Marty Herney's status right now? Um, Meatball Marty, he probably knows where the bodies are buried with David Tepper as well. I, I don't get how everybody loves mediocre Marty. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll tell you, I, I, don't know, man. I don't know. I mean. I, I guess Tepper wanted some continuity in establishing the culture at first, but I mean, look, look. At some point, you got to find somebody to bring in here to 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 actually get everything together. I, I'm, I was really concerned when he actually had a part in that rule hire. I'm like, okay, if 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 if, if, if you're helping negotiate and, and finding the head coach, that means you're probably here for the long haul. So I I don't know, man. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's simple. Historically, and Panthers fans will not want to hear this. Historically, in the last 20 years, Marty Herney's been one of the best GMs in the league. And people are going to be like, what are you talking about? How many Hall of Famers has this cat drafted? Look at the team that he built. And then look what happened to it when David Gettleman took Ooh. his spot. David Gettleman gets credit with the team Marty Herney built. Marty Herney built a Super Bowl team, and not just the Super Bowl, they didn't win, but they went 15-1 and one and dominated the league. That was Herney's team. That was not Dave Gettleman's team. And then after that, when Dave Gettleman, okay, now it's fully your team, what happens? We let Josh Norman go. The team essentially just falls apart. So I think when you when you do that, I, that's why Marty Herney, I think, is so highly respected in, in the league. He finds these 
I, his first round successes are legendary. It's just that after that is where the drop off is. Um, and the question is, is that what the Panthers need? Do they need someone that's going to bring in really good first round talent or do they need someone that's going to build more depth? If, if David Tepper is about building depth, then I think Herney would be on the hot seat. If Herney is, if Tepper says, no, we want to continue to draft, you know, these high caliber guys like McCaffrey and so on, then I think Herney stays. So here's my take on this, man. If I'm David Tepper, I specifically look at one thing and one thing only. I'm not, I'm not so, so much concerned about the win loss record. I'm concerned about how well or is there a lack of development with the young guys that you drafted? How's Troy Pride looking? How's Derek Brown looking? How's uh, your tour, my tour, Gross looking? Um, all those guys that you signed up on, how are, how are they developing? And and at that point, do I ask myself, does he deserve one more year to figure out if the if these guys are long term solutions or not? Um, if I'm Tepper, I give Herney at least another year. I don't think he he should be on the hot seat this year. Just for the simple fact that this team did not have expectations. And quite honestly, they're probably, you know, as, as bad as we are, they're probably still outperforming the expectations, to be quite honest, man. So at that point, at that at this point, I'm saying, no, nah, Marty Herney's not on the hot seat. Now that seat gets a little warmer next year if this team uh, you know, kind of repeats the same record and repeats the same performance next year. So that's my take on that, man. But yeah, anywho, guys, no, go ahead, man. No, if if you're Tepper and you see an upward trend, then then you're good. You stay the ship. But like you said, if next season the Panthers regress somehow because those guys didn't pan out or they didn't. Right. Also, Ronnie brought up a good point. Matt Rule is Herney's higher. Her, you know, that's typically a lot of people think the owners hire coaches. Usually the GM has a huge hand and they end up making the hire. Rule is Herney's guy. If Rule doesn't pan out, then that looks that starts to look really bad on Herney as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So we may see a situation where Matt Rule saves <laughs> Marty Herney's job if he's as highly touted as rebuilding programs as as it has been stated. Then Marty Herney's probably safe, man. But guys, we can spend all day talking about the Panthers and this topic, man. But we got to move on, man. So the hot rumor in the NBA associated with the Charlotte Hornets. Guys, the Charlotte Hornets are in the national news for a rumored trade that Mr. Russell Westbrook, former MVP Russell Westbrook, is rumored to be on the trade market. And Charlotte is one of those teams mentioned. Guys, Rodney, I know you got something to say about this, man. Give me your thoughts on Russell Westbrook possibly being traded to the Charlotte Hornets. So I'm, I'm, I'm mixed on this. First of all, we were in a retool. We decided not to resign Kimber Walker. Uh, we focus on development. Um, and Mitch is like, hey, we want these contracts off the books to make us flexible, this and this and this, yada, yada, yada. And then all of a sudden I wake up one day and I'm like, what the hell, Russell Westbrook? <laughs> and it's just like, okay, next year he's making 41 million. The following year, 44 million. And then the last year, which is the op year, op opting year, 47 million. And it's just like, okay, we don't have we really don't have certainty where the cap is gonna be because of COVID. 
We don't know when fans are going to come back to the stadium. So that affects the revenue sharing aspect. Okay, so what do you have to give up to get a Westbrook? What can you put around Westbrook? Okay, Westbrook said he wants the ball in his hands like he had it before in OKC. What do you do with Terry and what do you do with uh, Devontae? This is going to hinder their development. But, I mean, you you said you want development. And it's just like, I don't know. I, look, I honestly don't know what the plan is like. To me, it sounds like, okay, MJ said, hmm, Russell's my guy. I'm interested in him. And Mitch is like, ah, hell no, we're going to stay the course. And so, to me, it's, it's, it's like a dynamic power struggle within the organization. Do 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 we go back to our old ways, trying to fight for that seven to eight seed, or do we continue building for the future? But on the flip side, I can see it. I, I can see it being a draw. Like Westbrook brings energy. Westbrook is an exciting player to see. Westbrook keeps us relevant. We get games on TV, more revenue, people coming to the games. I see the flip side in it, but I, I to me, it just doesn't make any sense. Like. Like, I'm not shitting on Russell. Russell is still a great player. All-NBA last year, third team, All-NBA, 27-7-7. Awesome numbers. But when you decided not to re-sign Kimba, that to me showed me that you wanted to pivot away to youth movement. Plain and simple. Yeah. Kaiser, what you got, man? So last year, when this, this rumor has come up, it came up last year. It, it didn't have as much traction as it has this year. It came up last year and I made a video stating my case for Russell Westbrook. Now, I have backed off that a little, mainly because Russell Westbrook is a year older and the dynamic of the Hornets has changed a lot, lot since yeah. then. Yeah. However, having said that, it's, teams like the Hornets make the moves that they make because usually they don't have a shot at players of Russell Westbrook's caliber. Yeah. So now we have a shot at a player, not just of Russell Westbrook's caliber, but of Russell Westbrook. But then the question is, okay, now that we have a shot, do we halt everything we had in progress? Because the truth of the matter is, as much as Westbrook kind of stunts our development plan, the Hornets are instantly better. Right now, you put Russell Westbrook on this team, even if we had to move, let's say, Miles and Perry. Hornets are a playoff team, but Russell Westbrook in the Eastern Conference. They are. Okay. They're a better team. And they might be looking at something like Miami. Miami, fifth, sixth seed. Jimmy Butler essentially backpacked them all the way to the finals in the East. Could Russell Westbrook do that with a solid Hornets core, especially depending on who we draft with the third pick? Yeah, I think he could. The question is, what what is that worth in the long term? Um, ultimately, I wouldn't be actually be mad at the Hornets for making this move as long as we didn't have to give up too much. And we've said this on the show before: nobody on the Hornets team is untouchable. Not a single nobody, one. nobody, nobody. So, however, you know that doesn't mean you can just give up a bunch of those assets to get Russell Westbrook. You can't be like, hey, we give Miles, PJ, Monk, and and Monte. <laughs> oh, no, don't do that. <laughs> 2021, 2023, 2025. Right, yeah, I don't do that. But uh, the the answer is somewhere in the middle. With what what would I personally personally like to see? 
I'd like to see them continue on the course of development, developing players. Pick one of these top three prospects in the top, with the top three pick, number three pick, and then continue to develop. We saw some progress from the Hornets at the very end of the season after All-Star break. I want to see where that goes. So let me admit to let me admit to you guys that I'm very torn on on, on this scenario because it's a classic it's a classic uh, situation of patience versus win now, and you know, and speaking more of the of the win now, I, I saw a couple of people. No, no, no. Listen, listen. No, no. I, I let me finish. So I saw a couple of people on Twitter that was that was basically saying, you know, if Russell Westbrook joins this team. You know, they're basically going to be an AC that gets swept out of the first round. And I said, I slightly disagree with that notion. Um, this team was a nine seed last year. And, uh, you know, people kind of forget that a whole lot. And I keep bringing that up a lot. Uh, this team played very well toward the end of the season. I keep bringing that up. And with Russell Westbrook, I see this team as a seven to six seed, maybe still getting put out the first round. I don't know about getting swept, but. The thing that kind of would excite me about this trade more than anything is the relevance. Just like Kaiser pointed to, as Hornets fans, we're sick and tired of being the joke in the butt of the NBA. And I'm sure Michael Jordan is. I, I, I'm, I will bet my house Michael Jordan is sick and tired of national news media looking at the Hornets like the scrub, NBA, like the scrub team in the NBA. What excites me is fans in the stadium, uh, gear being sold out, which we're going to get to later. Uh, ESPN, uh, games on ESPN, all of that. All of that excites me. All of that excites me by having a, a former MVP on the Charlotte Hornets. The Charlotte Hornets finally having some relevance. But at what price, guys? And that's, and, and, and that's kind of what I keep going back to because this team has pretty much sold us on player development, youth movement, and I really like what I see out of the guys we have now. With that being said, if I'm Michael Jordan and Mitch Kupchak, I sit it out. Ultimately, I sit it out. Next year's free agent class is one hell of a free agent class. The Hornets will have even more flexibility next year. I know we're all impatient. I know we all want to be relevant. I know I do. I'm sick and tired of the jokes. I'm sick and tired of the, 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 the crap that's associated with the Hornets brand. I'm sick of all of it. But, I, but if I'm them, I sell our fans, just wait. Just be patient. We are on the right track. Don't screw this up now. And how many times, guys, have I said I want sustainable success and not just trades that make us a six seed, seven seed, and then we, we're we right back to square one in two or three seasons, kind of like with the Al Jefferson move. You know what I mean? I don't want that anymore. I don't want that for this franchise anymore, man. I want to build a good program. So this so another underrated thing, man, like, Next year's draft, 2021, is the one. Yeah. And so, I, it's, it's like, I want the relevancy. I want, look, I, I'm, I'm going to put it like this. Now is the time for the Hornets to make that move to reinsert themselves as a staple in Charlotte. The Panthers are down this year. People ain't watching as much. And you give them something to look forward to this year. But on the flip side, look, we, 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 we're going for sustainable success. Next year is the draft plus cap space. You can really do some damage in the future, but I, it's, 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 it's a tough call. We're not paid to make it, but, but it's a tough call, man. 
I'm going to ask both of y'all the question that I already know the answer to. <laughs> we have the Panthers and the Hornets, right? And they're pretty much in the same position. There are two franchises who are both retooling right now, right or wrong, right? right. And we both agree. We all agree on that, right? So why do the Panthers get all the objectivity and all the support and all the patience, but the Hornets don't? Well, why is that? Because we lost in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Never lost in the conference finals. Panthers fans are spoiled. The the Hornets have never, real not not in their time in Charlotte, had an era of mostly success. Um, by time they started becoming a perennial playoff contender, they were on their way out of the door to New Orleans. Yeah, and then we got the Bobcats, which. A lot of people still see the Hornets as the Bobcats. And people never latched on to the Bobcats for a bunch of reasons, uh, but not like they did the, the original Hornets, which you know everyone was crazy about. Whereas the Panthers, despite the fact that they never had two winning seasons in a row, during the Cam Newton era, had a winning record, uh, went 15-1, three divisional titles, had the league MVP, league offensive player, league defensive MVP, coach of the year. They had a lot of we had an era of yeah. success. That was actually a very successful era in the history of the Panthers. I think if the Hornets could ever do anything close to that, fans will then come gravitate back to the home. I still think their best shot is we got we got to pick right this draft. We Speaking got of picking right. Speaking of picking right, that is the perfect segue to our next uh, segment here. And Jared Costin, if you are still on with us, um, if we had credits that would roll after the podcast, I would actually give you a producer credit because you have asked a question that we are going to use <laughs> for our next segment. And that question is, guys, Melo, Edwards, Wiseman, where do you rank them? If it was one, two, and three, what is the Kaiser mock draft? What is the what is the Rodney Rob Pops mock draft? How do you rank those rookies, man? Those um, uh drafts. Uh Edwards number one, Wiseman two, Mello three. I, I'm look, man, I I'm just not that big on Mello. Um I'm not wishing ill on the kid or anything like that, but I look at I, I look at Edwards and, and 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 that potential is just tantalizing at this point, man. And then Wiseman is a big who who has the potential to possibly stretch the floor and kind of create his own. So those two are one, are one two to me. I'm 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 just not big on ball, man. Yeah, Kaza, what you got? Uh, I go, I'm gonna go Edwards Ball Wiseman. So you guys know I was me and a and a brother Vince. I was on the Lamelo uh, train uh, with him, and I, I still feel like he's the the highest risk, but the highest reward. If he pans out, he's going to be very, very good. If he doesn't pan out, he's not going to be very, very good. Be very bad. <laughs> so there, there's that. Um, I feel like Edwards is. I feel like he's a sure thing. He can score. He can. He can NBA score. He's not like to bring up a sore point with Hornets fans. Frank Kaminsky. Frank Kaminsky could score in college, but he could college score. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he did in college just didn't translate well to the NBA and he wasn't as capable uh, of, of a score. Uh, Anthony Edwards, he can NBA score. So I, that's why I feel like he's got the most um, potential to be 
the guy. Wiseman, I feel like the skill set is there. You know, he's 7-1. He can handle the rock. He can do things that we want from NBA big men. I just don't like the lack of experience against players his size. I don't yeah. like that. When we see that with big men, that's why big men have such a tough transition from college to the pros is because suddenly you're playing with dude. You're not the most athletic, biggest dude on the court anymore. Right. And, um, you know, Wiseman is a small 7-1. How's he going to do? Does anyone think James Wiseman will be able to bang with Andre Drummond, old Andre no. Drummond? He'd no. he have his way with Wiseman. Now, Wiseman would – would do a lot of good things offensively, and uh, he'd be able to protect the rim area, which is something the Hornets need. But I just feel like in today's NBA, you need scores, you need wing players. All right, Chris is asking why are we not talking about uh, Obi Toppin from um, from Dayton. Now, my quick answer to that: there are two reasons why. Uh, we're picking third. Toppin is not projected to be in the top three. Uh, we have not, you know, as far as all the intel and all the insider talk. We haven't been linked to Toppin in any way. But more importantly, um, I think Hornets fans would burn down Spectrum Center if we drafted Obi Toppin. He is more of what we already have. He is PJ and Miles. He's PJ and Miles. If PJ and Miles had a baby, you have Obi Toppin. And it just, to me, it would be a bad fit. Obi PJ Bridges. (laughs) Guys, any extra thoughts on that? Yeah, that's exactly. Exactly, and, 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 and then the crazy thing is, he's older than PJ and Miles. He's twenty; he could be twenty-three. Yeah, yeah. I, that's, I, I'm, I'm not like you said. If if the Panthers or the, the Panthers, the Hornets draft Obi Toppin, man, I we we might have to take a week off from the show. And <laughs> <laughs> look, look, we would have to take a week off, and, and Michael Jordan would have to go on a witness protection program, dude, because I, I'm I, I don't think it's a good idea, man. But I, I do want to answer the question myself as far as how I would rank these guys. Um, I'm in agreement with Rodney, man. I, I put uh, I put Edwards at one, um, I put Wiseman at two, and I put Lamelo at three. Now, here's I want to talk about specifically why I put Lamelo at three, and it's kind of you know just to all of Kaza's points, man. Yes. If he's good, he can be great. But here's why I'm scared of the risk. How many risks have the Hornets Bobcats taken that have not worked out well? All of them. (laughs) I'm going to give y'all a name. Listen, I'm going to give y'all a name. Noah Vonley. And here's why I'm bringing this up, man. Noah Vonley, when you looked at him on the film, before he, you know, was in draft talks, you looked at just the film itself. That dude, the fam jumped out at you. This dude could hand. He was six nine. He could handle the ball. He could shoot the three. All of this stuff. You, you know what I mean. And he was a high risk, high reward guy. How did that work out for us? Eh, not very well. Michael Kidd Gilchrist. The guy had a motor. The guy had a Ferrari motor. The guy was all over the place. He was a great defensive player in college. All this stuff. High risk, high reward guy. How did that work out for us? I'm not saying LaMelo Ball is going to have the same trajectory as those two guys, but again, with this franchise's history, I am afraid of them taking any type of risk. I want something I feel like is a tad bit safer. I think Wiseman is a slightly safer pick than LaMelo Ball. I really believe that. Now, yeah. as far as as far as real quick, as far as Anthony Edwards goes, I'm in 100% agreement with Rodney. I've said it on previous shows, man. That dude's talent, it, it seeps out at you. It jumps out at you. 
that dude can score in the NBA right now. Um, he's a little chunky, but with that being said, this dude still is jumping all over the place, dunking on no, people. Ain't so no wrong with fat dudes. It, it ain't, man. But at the same, but what I'm saying is, if he's <laughs> dunking on people and crossing over cats with all that weight on them, what's going to happen when the NBA becomes his job and he loses that weight? He could be even better. So, guys, obese, dog. Come on. Yeah, yeah you're right. NBA trainers, uh, you know, putting them on a the diet. And I, I really think Wiseman or Edwards is going to be the guy. I agree that Wiseman is a safe pick. I, Hornets fans want Wiseman because he's plug and play. You just drop him right into the Hornets starting line. He starts day one. Yep. Starts day one, and there you go. And we all know that it, the one of the worst things, and this this is a something that is likely to happen. Whoever the Hornets draft will not start, which the fans will revolt. But <laughs> it, it could come to that, that, uh, you know, people still mad when Malik Monk's not starting. So um, that, that's why people want Wiseman. They, they're like, okay, that's a guy we can just take. He feels the yeah. need. Bang. All right, real quick, man. We're kind of up against time, and we got to fit some more topics in. But real quickly, I want to I ask you guys a question about a rumored trade. Uh, the fan side of website, uh, again, this is just trade rumors and this is just conjecture. We know how this works out, y'all. There's a trade rumor of the Charlotte Hornets trading Miles Bridges, uh, Caleb Martin, and a, and, a, and a second round pick and the number three pick for the Timberwolves number one pick. Guys, how would you like that? Is that something you're a fan of if, that, if it goes down? Boy, who, okay, if you do that pick, that trade, they better whoever hit. you pick, Better hit. Better, better, better hit. Yeah, you better get the superstar. Um, Man, look. Way too much to move up two spots when you have when you already have a top three pick. Yeah, I, I feel like that that's just a little too much for that. And and, and, and then this goes what I've been talking about for a while, man. Like. Eventually, we're going to have to make that decision between between PJ and Miles. I mean, uh, uh, Rodney and Rodney, let me let, let me cut you off. I think that decision is coming a lot sooner than later. As far as stuff I've been reading, um, and, and, and what I'm getting from insiders, I think that is coming way sooner than later, man. I really do. And man. people probably won't like the like like the actual decision because the choice ain't that flashy. I'm just putting yeah, it like no, that. no, I, I'm with you, man. Real quickly, I want to share a theory that I have, man. And I, I may be off. I may be way off on this, man. But here's a theory that I have about uh, a Wednesday's night, Wednesday night's draft. I think the Hornets are, are a little skeptical and a little scared of LaMelo Ball being there at three. I, I personally believe yeah. Wiseman and Pepper Edwards <laughs> are – those are the two. They want, I think they want Edwards. They'd settle for Wiseman. But I think they would have a big decision to make if LaMelo Ball is there at three because, you know, they've been looking at um, – I, I screw his name all the time, man. Uh, uh, thank you. Agonku. They have been looking hard at Agonku. So I think they have a bit of a, of a pickle if LaMelo's there at three, which is why that trade rumor, uh, it gives it a lot of credence. So, you know, I just want to share that. I wouldn't be mad at that for that reason – but I feel like that's still too much to give. You're giving up your Thurman three pick. It's an if. It's an if. It's an if. Look, look I'm going to throw this hypothetical out there, man. Look, if I'm that petrified of LaMelo, rumors are Detroit wants LaMelo or New York. Look, New York, you want LaMelo? Give me Mitchell Robinson and I'll take eight. And I'll yeah, I'll like, no, you got to give me R.J. Barrett. 
And I take RJ Barrett and Mitchell Robinson straight up. Wow. Wow. Hey, look, look, man. Hey, hey, look. hey. hey guys. Guys, we could talk about this for another hour, man. I, and look, Wednesday, I'm going I'm to I'm leave it on this note, man. Wednesday night is going to be eventful. Let's just put it like that, man. Uh, the last thing, last, <laughs> last thing I wanted to talk about, man, I want to talk about uh, the Hornets' uh, recent branding. Um, they have uh, given us some, in my opinion, some really – fresh uh, city jerseys with the mint colors, man. They've rebranded the court. We have a new court that we can look at. Um, on this show and on other outlets, man, what the Hornets slash Bobcats have always gotten some positive credit for is their branding, their marketing. Their marketing team has always been A1. And I think they hit a home run this year, man. Guys, what are your thoughts on the new jerseys, the new courts, um, everything going on with the Hornets uh, marketing and branding team this year? Fire. Fire, Fire and 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 one day I hope that we can get the on court product to match. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it would be nice if Charlotte, the Charlotte Hornets, just get out of this idea of we're just a bottom rung NBA team. Because the thing is, back in the nineties, and this is just still it's a meme now. You know, everyone had a Hornet starter jacket. Everyone was rocking Hornets gear from like like ninety two to like ninety seven. Yeah, it was like everyone was rocking Hornets gear, and the Hornets weren't even like a great great team or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were a playoff team, but uh, if if we could just get them back to that, um, yeah. I think that this new branding would go a long way. I'm not a huge fan of the Dreamville jerseys, actually. Not, I'm not like, a big big fan of them. Yeah, I'm kind of iffy on those yeah, myself. If I have one criticism about the the, the branding, adding the gold color, um, to me, kind of harkens back to the New Orleans Hornets um, because gold was one of the official. Yeah. yeah. Uh, otherwise, I, I like everything I'm seeing. The court, man, that court. Woo. That, look, you, you stole my thunder, man. That city edition court is that that is something special, man. I, I can't wait to see that in in, in person, man. And, and real quickly, yeah, man, yeah, it, right, right. The trade and try out on on the on the on the both halves of the court, man. A uh, big shout out for them having loot, Charlotte's own loot as a model for the Dreamville jerseys, man. Like, the marketing and branding team, they just get it, man. They, they, again, I think they just hit a home run this offseason. Wait, 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 wait. Thing, Jordan is the worst owner in the league. <laughs> look, 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 look. If, 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 if we could just get this social media team up to par, they're missing a lot of chances, man. That's all I got to say. They're missing a lot of chances. Yeah, yeah. You got to tap um, the culture a little more. Yeah, but guys, I, I'm with you on the on the whole uh, branded thing, man. And as far as the on court product matching the branding, um, that's you know, I, it's coming. I, I say that I say that I say the, the the two sides are far right now, but it's coming, man. I I and again, we always try to preach patience to Hornets fan, which is a I, I mean, that's just a, a ongoing saga with that man. But I I believe it's coming, man. And we just got to sit it out a couple a, a few more seasons, man. Guys, anyway, we have reached that point of the show where we are at our shout-outs and our shout-ats. Who wants to go first? Rodney, what you got, brother? Uh, I have a shot at hip-hop culture, man. Uh, yeah. Look, man, King Von was murdered last week. Mo3 was murdered three days ago. Little Boosie got shot in Dallas yesterday. And Benny the Butcher got shot in Houston yesterday. Look, we got to do better, man. Like it's it's 
It's it's not dangerous to be on MCEE. <laughs> right. They shot yeah, Tupac it's, and Biggie. It's, 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 it's getting bad, man. These kids ain't got no conscience, man. They sitting here mocking death. And it's it's we, we gotta get a whole back a whole back on the culture, man. Yeah. Kaiser, what you got? Um, I'm gonna give a shout out to someone I've given a shout out to on the show about a million times. Uh Lewis, Lewis Hamilton. Hamilton. I knew it was coming. Yes. Won his seventh world championship, matching Michael Schumacher's record as as a person of color who follows racing. That is an amazing feat. I can be like, yo, the greatest F1 driver of all time is a black dude. That's that mean that actually means a lot. Some people might not understand why that means a lot, but, but that means a lot. Um, so congratulations to him, you know, for winning the uh, Turkish Grand Prix today in the rain. Uh, shout at the the Million Maga March. I'm not even gonna say anything about it. Just look it up. Stop. Stop. Just stop. That, that's a simple message for today. Just, no, just stop. No, it. no, stop the count. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. At this point, reverse the count. <laughs> all right man my first shout out goes to everyone who was in our chat today this chat is jumping today man so everybody who was in the chat uh shopping up with us man yeah no doubt man y'all are the real mvps today man y'all 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 make this show easier when y'all are interacting with us man so please man share it with your friends share it on social media man uh tell us we we doing okay i think we're doing okay i think we're i think we're i think we know a little bit about sports yeah. man yeah, we all right. So, man, share it with your people, man. Tell them about on the construction, man. So, shout out to y'all. Uh, Chris, shout out to you, man. Shout out to uh, Swagner and whoever else I missed out. Uh, Jared, thank you for the question, man. Uh, shout out to uh, shout out to my, my brother Mike, man, who got me this 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 banging bottle of red wine with the with the Panthers uh, logo on the joint. I'm about to make use of this right now. Uh, shout out to all the November babies, uh, Drew, Jason, and myself. Shout out to me. I will be in the 40 Club tomorrow. I am old as dirt. I'm in the 40 Club tomorrow, man. So uh, just thank you for all y'all for tuning in, man. We will see y'all next week, man. Thank you for making a great show. One more statement, man. If Teddy Bridgewater did not go to Olive Garden for his birthday, we would have won today. <laughs> Peace out, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>